Illyrio Mopatis wants you back in Pentos under his roof. Very well, go to him. But in your own time, and not alone, let us see how loyal and obedient these new subjects of yours truly are. Command Grolio to set course for Slaver's Bay. What is there for me in Slaver's Bay? An army. If Strong Belwas is so much to your liking, you can buy hundreds more like him out of the fighting pits of Mirene. But it is Astapor I'd set my sails for. In Astapor, you can buy Unsullied. The slaves in the spiked bronze hats? Why should I want Unsullied? They don't even ride horses, and most of them are fat. The Unsullied you may have seen in Pentos and Myr were household guards. That's soft service, and eunuchs tend to plumpness in any case. Food is the only vice allowed them. To judge all unsullied by a few household slaves is like judging all squires by Austin Whitebeard, your grace. Do you know the tale of the 3,000 of Kohor? No. And I will not hear it now. Your counsel is precious to me, Sir Jorah, but I mustn't look back. I've spent my whole life looking over my shoulder, running scared. No more. The sun rises in the east and will set upon the usurpers in the west. If what Arston and Belwas say is true, the time to take back what is mine is now, while these four kings bleed each other and the people clamor for peace. To Pentos we sail, and from there, home. Welcome, everyone, to Davos Fingers, episode 102. What if Daenerys ignored Jorah, but got the Golden Company instead? I'm Scatty, and with me, as always, is my buddy Matt. Hey, 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 good morning, evening, or uh, afternoon, Kalisar. We've been wanting for so long to do something about Daenerys. Yay! Danny focusing on the tale of her and what she's doing over in Essos. So with that in mind, uh, we're going to be doing one more of these what if episodes. What if episode? You heard me. Yep, that's what we're calling them now. <laughs> We've just in time for us to end the series. We have named it as we do. So we're going to be doing one more of these what if episodes before we take on kind of a different format. Um, and these what if episodes will move to our Patreon. So we'll continue to do what if episodes, but doing them on Patreon rather than as regular episodes. So uh, our next, then what we're doing next is kind of fun. Scad, why don't you, uh, why don't you tell them about it? Yeah, well, we're, like you said, we're moving on from the what if episodes. Uh, and our new episodes are going to be a little bit different. We wanted to change it up a little bit. We wanted to bring in members of Kalasar, Blood Riders who've been with us for a long time. Uh, we'll be reaching out, you know, every so often uh, to people and seeing if they want to guest host with us on future episodes. We'll explore individual chapters as we go. In this case, actually, the person we're bringing on will get to choose their favorite chapter, and we'll go deep on that chapter, as deep as, as, deep as the fingers can pr probe, can extend, can curve up can yep and uh we're really excited about it uh i mean this is something you know matt matt hammers this on on twitter all the time and we really feel like you know just talking with you guys is the best part of this um you know other than just talking to each other every few weeks and the bringing more people into that 
into that fireside, into that into that uh, campfire. Yeah, that virtual living room. We are excited just to just to listen to what makes our blood riders tick, how they found the series, what they love about it, and identify with, and explore you know their favorite chapter with them. I, I, we're really excited about it. It's gonna allow allow us to get to know some of you a lot better and allow you guys to get to know each other a lot better. We're really excited. Uh, we also, Matt mentioned Patreon. We've got, uh, I think we mentioned in the last episode too, we've got some changes coming. We've, we've started planning on some of that and, and uh, got the gears moving on some of it as well. Um, so we're revamping that. I don't know. The, the first one that's coming up is, is a tried and true Films Get Fingered episode. But coming in October, we got something different. You want to tell them about that, Matt? Yeah, this Films Get Fingered that we're doing for this coming month is uh, we're continuing the Kevin Smith love doing Chasing Amy. Right, Scatty? My favorite one. Absolutely your favorite one. It's in yeah. my top three for sure. So it's in your like your top eight? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> right up with yoga hosers and you know. <laughs> but then uh Cop out. Of course. Cop out. How can you forget cop out? But then what we're going to be doing is we're covering a different book series. We really wanted to do something uh, kind of that hasn't been done yet. We thought about Lord of the Rings. We thought about King Killer Chronicles, but we really wanted to do something new and exciting for us and hopefully exciting for you as well. And we also really love the idea, as you know about Davos Fingers, of focusing on family and focusing on each other. So the book series that we're going to read is I Am Mercury by our blood writer, one of our most, one of the greatest guys you'll ever meet in the world, and we're honored to call him friend, uh, Grant Percy. Piercy. Grant Piercy. Yes. At Heathen King on Twitter. So he's written a fantastic series called I Am Mercury. We urge you to check it out. Go look for it on Amazon and you'll find it no problem. Grant, you can chime in if there's other places they can find it. But we'll be reading one of those books every, every uh, I don't know, two or three months. Um, and then talking about them on our Patreon. So it's going to be so cool. Uh, and more details to come on exactly the scheduling and things like that, but that'll, that's going to start up in October. So, uh, it's, it's coming. Um, okay. Uh, I think that's all we've got for announcements. Uh, this is, brings us to the public service announcement component of the show, which is, uh, there are spoilers for everything uh in this episode because who knows where it will go we'll go historical we'll go toward the future we'll spoil everything we possibly can we may also also start spoil star wars lord of the rings battlestar galactica firefly or other nerdy properties so be ready for that also because we don't we don't care yeah we could even spoil some cobra kai which i have started watching scatty oh nice <laughs> nice just spur spurn to the twitter poll and, and yeah <laughs> yeah whatever Thanks for your input. Bye. <laughs> yeah, Kalisar, for, for those that aren't on the Twitter, we did a little Twitter poll to see what I should watch after I finished up Battlestar Galactica. And I had like Clone Wars on there and uh, Umbrella Academy and and um, Cobra Kai. And I just went with Cobra Kai. So much fun. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it's cheesy and kind of weird, but it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Great characters. Yeah. 
Okay, and as always, if, uh, anyways, as always, if you want to contact us for any reason, we love talking to you. If you want to talk about future episode ideas or ask questions or make clarifications, fill us in on something that we missed, you can always find us at DavosFingers.com. Our email address is WeAreDavosFingers at gmail.com. And our Twitter handle is at DavosFingers. And we're always on Facebook. Oh, and the Patreon thing, Patreon.com slash DavosFingers. Scad, do you want to get started with this? Let's do it, man. <clears throat> we should probably remind our user, our, our listeners, where we are. Yeah. So let's uh, let's orient you, okay? Starting off, it's been quite the year for Daenerys Targaryen. She gets married. Her husband kills her brother. Her husband dies. She loses a baby, uh, etc. So, but so with a Kalisar that barely cracks triple digits in number and an exiled Westerosi knight at her side. But with three dragons, the only dragons in the world, Danny limps into the great city of Karth. That's right. And in Karth, she's kind of treated like royalty a little bit. She's wined and dined by the elite there, including the majestical Zarazo and Daxos. Uh, try to say that ten times fast. Uh, one of the best names and one of the worst names in the, in, in the series. Um, she's confused by the mysterious Quaith, and so am I. Uh, buoyed by visions experienced in the house uh, of the Undying, where Pi Pri hangs his hat. Uh, Danny is anxious to depart Karth. In fact, I think she's booted out uh, and sets sail for the West and toward her destiny, uh, you know, despite Quaith telling her she needs to go East to go West, which is weird. Um, but before she, <laughs> before she can leave, though, she's almost killed. An assassination attempt against her is thwarted by a massive form pit fighter, uh, that's, that's the strong bell loss that this, uh, podcast, or at least this half of this podcast loves, uh, and his aged squire who introduces himself, uh, as Arston Whitebeard. Yes. And far from being the two Carthine superheroes that they may initially appear to be, Arston and Bellwas revealed that they were sent by Illyrio Mopatis to bring Daenerys back to Pentos. Uh, why? One, because she has dragons. Right, those, you know, those eggs, those little rocks that you gave her for a wedding gift, Delirio. Yeah, and two, because as they say, Westeros needs her. There are four kings warring against each other over control of the kingdom, and the realm clamors for the peace and stability that surely, surely, the return of the Targaryen dynasty can bring. Did they? Did they read the last three hundred years of history? <laughs> Do you even fire on blood? <laughs> but uh, Matt Mabuki, uh, Jorah is suspicious uh, and hesitant. Uh, are they really ready to invade an entire continent right now with their like 100 reasonably starved and seasick and old and young uh, Kalasar? Probably not. Um, you know, Danny's driven by a sense of destiny and a healthy dose of conviction. You know, she wants to go, she's convinced. And while loading three ships with three rambunctious dragons and a hundred seafaring Dothraki will be a challenge, the payoff is Westeros. Or is it? Can she do it? Well, she's gonna find out in this timeline. Yes. So to be very clear, Kalisar, uh, our timeline that we're exploring today is what if Danny had skipped, just passed over Slaver's Bay completely, and as soon as she met Arston and Strong Belwas leaving Karth, 
she headed to Pentos to start planning the invasion of Westeros. Uh, to, 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 to see her ally that sent these ships. Right. So, uh, but before we do this, let's let's orient ourselves in terms of a timeline. Hey, Skeddy, do you wanna you wanna take us there? And just a, a quick kind of, I don't know, sidebar. Uh, we got kind of a few different versions of these questions of you know what if Danny did this and that and kind of as many people come up with different ways to avoid the Marinese, not as they could think of. Um, and the one we started with was from our our. Blood Rider Marcus, and he proposed that that she get the Unsullied first, and then we'll just leave Astapor. And when we were looking, we're like, "There's no ship. There's no ships. Uh, There's no, she couldn't get out of Astapor with fifteen thousand or whatever that number is Unsullied." And so we we had to go a different a different way. So we had to we had to change away from that idea. But there were lots of people kind of coming in with with ideas similar to this. And so we just kind of riffed on it a little bit and came up with our own path of going to Pentos first, uh, still getting an army of a different kind, um, and and going from there. Now, a, lo- a lot of a lot of the effort that I put in on this one, I don't know I don't know why, because I didn't get this obsessed with the timeline for our other what if episodes. But in this one I, th- I think because of the sea travel and the amount of land travel that the Golden Company was going to have to do and all these things, I was like, this matters a lot. We're talking about, like, variability of months here, and depending on what we decide as to when she lands finally in Pentos and then again in Westeros and where, that has a huge difference on what's already transpired with the political scene in Westeros. And so there was quite a bit of back and forth on that with Matt and I, too, which made this it made this episode, I think, a little bit more difficult to prepare for and frankly a little contentious between the two of us right <laughs> we had it was, some moments. Yeah, it was a little interesting <laughs> but uh I, so i don't i don't necessarily want to go through the whole timeline matt i think they i think our listeners would get bored but may, maybe just like a, hit a few key points yeah take okay us there. so i will do my best to do that if if you want me to to, to dive into it yes please all right so <clears throat> okay so like matt said that our decision point branches basically when jorah tries to convince her to go to astapor uh and instead she says nope i'm going to pentos like we had planned this whole time um it's it's a trip um frankly sea travel is not always consistent um <laughs> with what? how fast people can move and that kind of makes sense there are storms and there are you know dead times and things like that um but really using some educated guessing from what i call the a the aswath song of ice and fire timeline um or sometimes i call it the spreadsheet which is a, a great resource for lots of reasons um we basically landed on a date that puts her in pentos on roughly 10 15 october 15th if you want to use if you want to use our months of 299 of 299 so from there, assuming that the gold company is contacted immediately, or you know maybe even somehow they get word that Danny's on her way and they contact them a little early. Basically, though, with an army their size, did, I didn't remember this, Matt. There are ten thousand people in the Golden Company. Yeah, yeah, ten thousand. Right. It's moving a it's moving a big city, basically with all the stuff they got. So 
we kind of had to go slow and assume that it would take them basically two months to get from where I assumed they were, which I don't know that we know this, but I assumed they were still kind of down around the uh, Volantis area. Yeah, and they were under contract by Mir. Right, so we just kind of guessed at two months. Um, based on, again, the spreadsheet has distance traveled for bigger groups and how fast they can go at top speed and you know anything, things like that. But um, we're saying that they then arrive in Pentos around 12.15. And then from there, you know, Illyrio and Danny, they've had, you know, two months to get ready. We assume they've probably got the ships ready and they can leave in short order. And that they end up leaving right away and getting to Westeros, you know, basically the new year, maybe a few days before the new year. It's not that long a trip to Dorne where we're saying that she arrives. Um, we think that's the most likely place for her to go um, rather than just storming King's Landing immediately. But basically she arrives in Dorne just before the new year. So for reference, um, kind of just what's going on around that time timeline, just, just to give you guys kind of a sense. Um, on exactly 12.15, when supposedly on our, in our timeline here, uh, the Golden Company arrives in Pentos, um, the Red Wedding happens on that same day. Uh, so Rob is, is dead. The North in shambles and confused. In King's Landing, the throne seems stable. They've defeated Stannis of the Blackwater now a while ago. Um, Greyjoy is dead too um, they're about to solidify the realm with a marriage with the Tyrells um, Stannis, Stannis threw the leeches in the fire over a month ago um, to try to like kill all the kings and stuff Davos is, is still I think technically in jail and the purple wedding is just over two weeks away from when when uh when the Golden Company lands or arrives in Pentos, but happening like a day or two after she arrives in Dorne. So it's like right on the doorstep. So that's kind of the, the timeline we're in. Yeah. And that's why it was so close that we, that we established this timeline because I mean, just a couple days difference and we're completely changing yeah. the narrative with these major events. happening. Yeah. And you know, forgive us. I mean, we kind of just had to go with something. You know, yeah. So, and I think it's going to be fun. Yeah. But do you want to talk about some of those alternate timelines real quick, or do you want to do you want to sprinkle it in later? Uh, let's do some. Let's do some sprinkling. Okay. All right. Yeah, for me, any discussion ab about Danny and going to Pentos has to start with Illyrio to who, who to whom she's going, right? And what he plans to do. And what he plans to do, as far as we understand from A Dance with Dragons, is see the Blackfire on the Iron Throne. Yeah, we think being so. Aegon. Yeah. So the idea is Danny is there, and Danny even maybe marries Aegon, yeah. but that he's the he's yeah. on the throne. I, and that that's it's so interesting. I do think that's what he wants. I think that's what he wanted. I think when the dragons were born and Danny became Danny badass and not Danny the girl I gave away, you know, like, I, I wonder whether he's second guessing some things. Sure, maybe. But it still does seem like his main plan. And there's, if you've read Fire and Blood, you know, there's a rich history there of reasons. Yeah. Why he would prefer Aegon. Oh, tons of callbacks and stuff. Yeah. Do you think. So I, I have this written somewhere, but do, do, my answer, but do you think 
when he summoned the Golden Company, he also brought Aegon in? At that time? Yeah, I think he brings in Aegon and John Connington. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, and here's the thing, though. You get Danny, and is she going to be down with this plan of Aegon, right? Yeah. But but Danny's but Dan and I know you said don't but I'm I'm kind of diving in. Danny's Danny's not the girl that she was. I like I'm not. I know she's she has lots of times and I don't have quotes from the text, but lots of times where she's you know thinking about family and dreaming about you know Rhaegar and um, you know how she's the last dragon and how she you know wishes there were family around and things like that and thinking about her brother even though he was an abusive a hole you know kind of thinking about him sometimes wistfully, you know, wishing that he were still around. Um, and so, so part of me is like, she's going to welcome this. But also, it's important to remember that technically, technically, he's he's probably got the stronger claim. Yeah, in fact, I, uh, I, I found a quote on that one. Uh, where is it? This is a good time to share it. Um, it's Tyrion when he's, uh, talking to Aegon actually, and Tyrion asks him, now, how do you suppose this queen, meaning Danny, will ra- react when you turn up with your begging bowl in hand and say, good morrow to you, auntie, I'm your nephew, Aegon, returned from the dead. I've been hiding in a pole boat all my life, but now I've washed the blue dye from my hair and I'd like a dragon, please. And oh, did I mention my claim to the Iron Throne is stronger than your own? So, you know... Danny's Danny, and she's got that fiery personality. She's independent, and she's strong, and I don't think she's just going to accept Aegon. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a whole bunch on, on some of that, too, about you know marriage alliances and things. I, I do, I do want to delve real quick back into the history of Fire and Blood for a second, because uh, some people might be thinking, does he have a better claim? Tyrion says so. But if you look at Fire and Blood, there, there are a lot of kind of hints mm. about this kind of thing, about who the real heir is. And we, I'll, I'll just go through them real quick. So we had the case of Viserys I and Rhaenys, the queen who never was, uh, taking the throne. They were both up for contention, right? And they had the whole council and everything to decide who it would be. But taking the throne instead of Jaehaerys' other kids. But that was largely because none of them were qualified. So Viserys and Rhaenys were both the children of an heir that never sat the throne, just mm-hmm. like Aegon is. Aegon is the child of Rhaegar, who never sat the throne, but he was the first in line to do so. Of course, Jaehaerys was also alive to oversee all that, right? And, like, choose and pick and stuff. And he tried like crazy, frankly, to find one of his kids that could do it, but they all 13 <laughs> of them sucked or died. So, you know, he kind of didn't have a lot of choice. So that, that example's Tangential, but not great. Uh, we have, of course, the whole Dance of Dragons, uh, Rhaenyra this time, a girl right. and the daughter of the king passed over for a son from a second marriage, right? So that's boy over girl stuff. That's, not again, not exactly the same scenario, but but similar. Um, she then also tries to prop up her own son. That would be the yep. son of a firstborn child, right? Which is kind of similar again. This is, would be Aegon would be the son of the firstborn child. Um that never sat a throne. He does, of course, end up sitting the throne, but only after Aegon II and the whole Dance of Dragons and all that stuff. Guys, if you haven't read Fire and Blood, <laughs> please go do so. It's great. Um, and we have some great episodes on it, too. Uh, so last one. I know this seems long, but 
I, I was struck by some of these similarities. I suppose the one I think that's closest in comparison we have is Balor Breakspeare. He was the heir to the throne before being killed during Dunk's Melee. Uh, hey guys, if you haven't read Dunkin' Egg, please go do so. We have some great episodes about them too. He was Darren's first son. Never sat the throne, but his son was chosen as the heir apparent to Darren after Baylor's mm-hmm. death. Not right. Darren's second son, Aerys. Right? So he they did choose the first son's first mm-hmm. son to be the heir after Balon died, which is the Aegon situation. Now, uh, you know, these, these sons of, of Baylor's never ended up sitting the throne. Uh, Phalar uh, and, oh geez, I forgot the other one. Uh, they both died of the spring sickness the same time Darren did, so they couldn't take it, but they were in line. They were named as the next heirs uh, ahead of uh, brothers, yeah. of Darren's mm-hmm. second son, Aerys. So, so the, the, they're just interesting precedents. I think, I don't know whether Doors did all that on purpose, but a lot of these things point to A, pick the frickin' boy, which sucks. Yep. I don't agree with it either. Yep. But it points to it. And B, uh, you know, we're okay with the son of a dead heir taking the throne, even over a king's second son sometimes. Um, that, of course, said, all of that said, um, you know, Danny's younger, female, breaks a lot of the succession history, like we just said. Aegon is very tempting. But then again, dragons, Matt. Yep. Dragons. Yeah. And and Danny, a very forceful personality. Right. And so I think, you know, ideal situation is to marry them. Even yeah. Danny even mentions at one point in the books that she wondered if, you know, she would have at one point been married to Aegon if they'd all lived and everything and the rebellion hadn't happened. Yes. Um, so that's the ideal situation for in Illyrio's mind, but not for Danny. Yeah. Nope. nope. She, uh, she's, she's got that fire. She's got that. She's got the Targaryen. What is it called? But she, she knows what she, or she, she's got the conviction to know that this is mine and I'm going to take it. And I just don't think she's going to, she's going to stand for this Aegon thing now. So, but the question is, is will she, like agree to something? Will she compromise in order to get the ships and people that she needs to go over to Westeros? I don't know. Yeah. I think she's got to. It's, it's an interesting question. Um, I, I I think, (laughs) I think she might be willing to, so long as, as he stays in his place. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we've seen his personality too, though. Uh, and he is older than she is. Mm-hmm. Not that that always matters. But, uh, you know, I think she's more mature than he is. But, you know, he's he's not... He's not going to just sit, sit quietly either, I don't think. I think he's... You know, both of them have been... Both of them kind of have been told their whole life. You know, you're meant for something special. You know, you're the last dragon kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so you know, it's hard to go your whole life being told that and being like, take a back seat, kiddo. Yeah. Or now you got to share. Yeah. Right. Mm. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if you ended up truly with like a Jay Harris and Alisanne situation where they were sharing and doing it together, maybe that'd be okay. But let's face it. Neither of these kids is Alisanne. Nope. And yeah, neither of them are gonna, when you've been told your whole life that you're it and then 
then all of a sudden you're half of all it, then it's just, yeah. I think the the entitlement factor comes in, and right. it's it's going to be tricky. Right. But I can see I can see some sort of like uneasy compromise being reached. Just be like, okay, we got to get over to Westeros. We've got to invade. We got to take over, and we need each other to do this. So. I have I have Let's an alternative. Okay. A couple alternatives. Uh they're looking for allies. And mm-hmm. we know the Dornish have a contract for this already. We know Danny said no uh to Quentin once. Um we know that Ariana is about to proposition Aegon or, or try to try to set something up with Aegon. Um both of those could be done now. So and dual weddings? Kind of. Mm-hmm. I've also got a little bit of a trickier one. Okay. You know, uh, at this point, uh, Joffrey's dead. Uh, Marjorie is still unconsummated. Uh, perhaps they want a dual alliance, and instead of taking King's Landing from the Tyrells, Varys works out a deal with the Tyrells. He's been playing them against the Lannisters this whole time. Perhaps... A Marjorie to Aegon, uh, with a Quentin to Danny, or a uh, Willis to Danny, mm-hmm. and a uh, Ariane to Aegon to get both allies in place. Um, now, I kind of said Danny's prickly on pairings. Right. Um, she likes to choose herself, and good for her. Um, She's kind of unlikely to like Willis, kind of maybe for the same reasons she doesn't like Quentin. They're good dudes, but flashy they are not. She wants, you know, the stiletto and Arak naked yeah. naked women uh, on, on the hips. And so, you know, I'm not sure whether she would do her duty at this point. She's kind of, she kind of had a lot of those experiences after the boat trip when she landed in you know, Slaver's Bay and she met Dario and kind of, you know, met his dar and kind of had all these kind of different types of awakenings. I don't want to credit his dar with that, but, um, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, like, I think she learned a lot in Slaver's Bay while she was, while she was stuck there and, and decided to choose things for herself like this, maybe going to Illyrio and Pentos right away changes some of that. And like you said, she is willing to make different kinds of compromises. Because because the goal is right in front of her now. Right. It's not like Westeros is still really far away. I'll make my decisions as I want to. That's way in the future. It's now like, oh shit! I can have the Iron Throne tomorrow if I just make an alliance with Dorne. This Quentin guy seems nice enough. Yeah. The problem is, is who gets the actual Iron Throne? Because yeah. whether we feel it's petty or not, that's going to be on her mind, and it's going to be on Aegon's mind too. So I really like the idea of the double marriage alliance thing, whether it's with both with Dorne or one with Dorne, one with the Reach, whatever. I think those are really cool ideas that I didn't think of. I like it. Um, but I, I wonder what that conversation would look like of like, okay, you're marrying, say, Quentin, <laughs> and you're marrying Arianne. Who actually is king? It's it's kind of like at the very end of Endgame. Guys, if you haven't seen Endgame, go see Endgame. When when uh, Thor and and uh, uh, and Star Lord are on a ship 
and they're kind of like <laughs> fighting over the screen and like who's really in control. The captain. And yeah. they're like, who's the captain? He's like, there's only one captain, right? And Thor's like, of course, of course. Of course, yeah. Of it's course. Me. Yeah, of course. Just kind of like, everyone knows, you know? <laughs> it's kind of like that. It's like, uh, if they never say it, do they know who's really in charge? Right. Uh, and do they just fight over it the whole time? Well, let's say Aegon becomes king. As soon as Danny's dragons are big enough, yeah, it won't matter, right? Right. Game over for Aegon. Yeah, unless he bonds with one of them, but maybe. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's so many different possibilities here, and this is why these episodes are fun. I I would love to think that like they just get along and sure. they fall in love, even right. Mm-hmm. And I'm, now I'm and all the pieces fit glamorizing together. incest, but you know, right. Yeah, all the pieces fit together. They take a dragon. Uh, there's one left for Tyrion. Mm-hmm. Uh, Still escapes. Willis Tyrell. Willis Tyrell. <laughs> He'll just pet it <laughs> on his barge. He'll just show up and just his inherent goodness, the dragon. <laughs> old uh, which, what, Rhaegal will just be like, yeah, I'm, I'm down. Let's do this thing, man. <laughs> Rhaegal, the best one. Uh, yeah, I, I, I just, I, I threw Tyrion in there mainly because he is a, he right. is a dangling thread. I don't know if yeah. you want to get him out of the way. Um, technically in, in the timeline we have the, the purple wedding still happens or does it? I mean, we can talk about that, but assuming it does, maybe he's still in trial. Maybe he's still in prison. Um, and Varys still sneaks him out. I, I feel like Varys has a plan for Tyrion, has something that he wants him to do. It wasn't just a. I want you to murder Tywin now. What do you think? Um. Yeah, I think they like the idea of Tyrion being on Daenerys and or Aegon's side. Yeah. Uh, I I think Varys truly likes Tyrion. I don't know if likes the word. He respects. Sees him. value. He yeah. sees value in having a mind like that whispering in the ear of Aegon and Daenerys one because he's very smart uh but also because he's he's got a sense of cunning and ruthlessness to him and he'll be that guy that won't let morals get in the way like Barristan Selmy and we could talk about the morality of Barristan Selmy all day right (laughs) going back to Ares and stuff well and of Tyrion right so Tyrion is a creature an evil creature in many cases but also really was trying to look after the small folk quite a yep. bit in Clash yeah. of Kings. Capable and, of very much good, but also yeah. capable of some very dark totally. doings. So. He's he's a creature. He's, yep. a, he's a bit of a demon. Um, but yeah, a, a, a reasonable a reasonable person to have uh, you know, whispering in the ear, especially if he hates you know, your rival, the Lannister family. Right, and if you've got the Lannisters in power, you've got Cersei up there leading things. Of course you're going to want Tyrion on the other side of that. Yeah. Because he knows how to get under her skin. He right. knows the buttons to push. And, and, to, and to back that up, he's, like I said, he's got the smarts and the cunning to, to actually enact something probably effective. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, real quick, I want to go back to the, the, the Highgarden-Tyrell alliance thing. Because I think, it's, I think it is extremely unlikely. The Tyrells have been angling for the Iron Throne you know, themselves and and being in charge for a long time. And I don't think it's a likely alliance. It was just an interesting thing that I brought up. It totally is. 
and with the dragons involved, you could probably convince the Tyrells. I don't think they feel yeah. any sort of loyalty to House Lannister. And, and there is, going back again to history and Duncan Egg, there is a reasonable gold company Blackfire tie in the Reach. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of those families came from the Reach. Yeah, for sure. So it's not, it's not like it's nothing. Yep. I mean, you've still got peaks in the Golden Company, mm-hmm. um, like that. Yeah. So I didn't go down the roster, but yeah, there's, they mentioned a lot of, there's a Weber, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, there's lots of them. Right. So I think it's a possibility and I like it. But, so should we just assume that somehow they agree to, that we're going to get over to Westeros together? Yes. Yes. I, all of all of my plans in this conversation <laughs> kind of assume that they come to some sort of understanding, whether it's super agreeable or not. Right. And it might be one of those things of, you know what, let's get the invasion out of the way and we'll figure out the realm after that. Yeah. Right. Or we'll figure out the Iron Throne after that. Yeah. Which both sides will know that they'll be thinking like it, Peter Quill and thor thing yes yes <laughs> yeah although yeah. i think yeah, peter that's quill fine. that's fine i think peter quill has a lot of a lot of deep-seated i'm not so sure of myself right now in that conversation yep <laughs> yep there's yes. definitely some chest puffing going and, on from him and that kind of works because Aegon would probably feel the same way with the dragons mm-hmm. not sitting on danny's shoulder they're too big for that now but metaphorically right yep so, um, where does Danny go? Uh, the most likely location that we talked about was Dorne. Right? Yeah. It's very similar to what happened in the main story, where Aegon and the Golden Company landed at Cape Wrath, which is kind of right there at the northern end of Dorne. Um, and yeah. and places like that seem a likely spot to land, right? Yes, I agree. Um, I mean, I think I think the first thing you have to think about is who's on my side. Mm-hmm. You know, it's talked a lot by Barristan and, and Jorah and others, um, you know, when they're advising Danny that, you know, people are going to, people are going to love you coming back. And yes and no. Right. But, but I think finding the people that are more likely to say yes is important. And 10,000 members of the golden company, um, you know, that's, that's not going to be enough to do it. I don't think they're still going to need allies and Aegon and, and John Con come to the same conclusion in the main timeline, right? Mm-hmm. That they've got to strike quick, get allies and move on. It's, it's not actually that different of a plan than what Aegon is doing in the main timeline. Yeah. Get contact with Dorne. And, this 10,000 yeah. is a lot of troops. I don't know that it's enough to take a whole continent. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yep. Dragons would be. Yeah. But we don't in this timeline though. They're not big enough. Not dra- yet. Our dragons are tiny. So in Clash of Kings, they're still the size of small dogs. Um, now we're into uh, Storm of Swords. So these guys are, um, there's a quote that says that they weighed twice as much as they had in Veas Toloro, even so it would be years before they were large enough to take to war. Um, yeah. And not only that, but they must be trained as well, Danny thinks. And she said she had not the least idea of how to train a dragon. Well, there's three movies about it, Danny, and <laughs> and they're all good, and they're all fantastic. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, on, on, just on their size, on eleven fourteen, Viserion tried to land on Ben Brown Plum, 
uh, it's awkward one time <laughs> on his shoulder and one on his head, and uh-huh. then he gives up and flies off. Right. Uh, you mentioned the, the size of a large dog. On one five, Viserion actually knocks fruit from a tree with his tail. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, she says they'll soon be able to bear her weight, but not yet. So, yeah, I kind of imagine they're kind of like the size of a, size of a large a great dog? Dane, a great dane <laughs> yeah. or a maybe a small horse uh-huh. around right. the around the turn of the year right so still not going to be doing any fighting yeah um, not for a time drogon for what it's worth carries her on seven three right. seven months from where we are mm-hmm. right so and at that point he's 20 feet wingtip to wingtip oh is he Good yeah find. right Although that's misleading because those wings are huge compared to the body size. So he's but, still not super big. Yeah, right. But Balerion, for um, just uh, comparison's sake, Balerion, yeah. at his biggest, they're saying he was, a, he was, this is just insane to me, 453 feet wide, wingtip to wingtip. What? That's like a football field and a half. Right. And, and, and. Drogon's 20. So we think he's this big, huge dragon that takes her off at the end of a dance with dragons. He's big, but he's not big, big. Yeah. So. Right. Right. Um, Should we talk? Yeah. Uh, so I had Dorne does seem um, like the likely place also because there's, there's the p- natural potential for an alliance with Elia. Right with with the memory of Elia, I should yes, say. Yes, absolutely. Right. There's yes. There's a well. We see the whole plot in King's Landing with the emotional tie that Oberyn has, and um, and, and Doran being the the grass that hides the snake as well. They they have not gotten over this. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think and you know the marriage alliances that they've tried to set up in the past already speak to it as well. They're they're ripe for this alliance. Yeah. Right, and and I saw I went poking around to try to find numbers and stuff like that, and. George R. R. Martin and Associate Martin, he mentioned that the military strength of Dorne is roughly equal to the military strength of the North. And so, and the Veil, he also says, <clears throat> which, you know, numbers range from 20 to 40,000. So yeah. uh, in any case, that's, that's great numbers for him. But. Yeah, Quentin, I think in in dance claims to Danny that they're they're they can raise fifty thousand spears, um, but other people say it's more like fifteen or twenty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just kind of guess twenty. Right, but land in the middle there somewhere. Still, that's you know she's now tripled her her troop size. Yep, yep. Um, but do you think just to you know I know I'm not letting us get any momentum by interrupting with these dumb questions, but. Do you think 30,000 Golden Company and Dornish Spearmen are worth the, I think we landed on about 15,000 Unsullied? <sighs> Remember, pray, don't forget the elephants. Don't forget the elephants. I think they probably are, actually. Um, let's see. There's a quote... Uh, here's a point that um, Arston brings up back in the main story. If you should land in Westeros at the head of a slave army, many good men will oppose you for no other reason than that. You will do great harm to your cause and to the honor of your house. 
So he brings up that point that just showing yeah. up with a bunch of slaves isn't going to endear people to her cause potentially. Yeah. Uh, whereas if you are showing up with men whose last names are recognizable Westerosi names, right? Yes. Even if they're exiles, it will endear you more for sure. Connection. So, yeah, I kind of think that the Golden Company has a bit of a reputation in. I don't have any evidence for this, but I just get the feeling that it's got kind of a reputation in Westeros, like a, like the Dread Pirate Roberts, <laughs> feared and bad, but like kind of cool bad. Yeah, yeah. You know, like they're the cool ones. They're definitely like the coolest sellsword company. Right. Right. Yeah. So. I don't. I don't know whether they're in a straight fight. The thirty thousand would be able to fight, fight the, the fifteen thousand unsullied. Uh, but kind of like what you're saying, I'm not sure that's the point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, Barrison's a bit of a bag of wind. I, I don't know how many people would be like, "Nah, slavery bad. I won't fight for you." Right. They'll be like, "Dragon's good. I'll uh-huh. fight for you." Yeah. But I, he's he's not wrong either. I don't. I don't think it would be looked on highly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you throw dragons into the mix, and it's like, okay, well, maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe we'll give Danny a shot here. But uh, the original plan, at, at least as far as I think it's Franklin Flowers says this, he's a member of the Golden Company. The original plan apparently was for the Golden Company, ten thousand, to come over with fifty thousand Dothraki, and that of course would have been amazing because you've got the golden company who i believe is i mean i think they've got cavalry but they're also you know they're the foot guys they're the infantry and then you've got these horse dothraki that could have definitely done some damage but this is what we've got but you also just like barristan's point about the slave army you bring over fifty thousand dothraki and you might not be endearing people too much to your cause that at that point you're you're getting them through intimidation. Yeah, right. There was a note I read somewhere that indicated they do have a large number of cavalry. Um, I believe, but, it. but, but I can't, I can't find it right offhand. And I don't, I don't have a number in front of me. But, but yeah, still, they're 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 the foot soldiers, and and you got this massive real cavalry of Dothraki for sure. I, I actually spent I spend time in the weirdest places, man. Good for you for spending time in like important places. And I'm so happy that I can trust you to do that when you're <laughs> studying for an episode. Because I go off on my crazy little tangents. Um, but I was looking at uh, the possibility of them bringing in other sellsword groups if they wanted to supplement mm-hmm. the 10,000 Golden Company and just have some, some more firepower from the get-go. And no one, at least in what's listed in the series, no other company comes close to having the numbers that the Golden Company has. Yeah, they're like in the hundreds. Right. Like they don't even get to a thousand, most of them, right? The biggest one I could find was the Company of the Cat, led by our old friend Bloodbeard. Uh, They said they had about 3,000. Oh, wow. That's big. Yeah. Next is the Windblown. Quentin's group. Like 600 or something, isn't this it? This is 2,000. Oh, wow. And and horses. They're mostly mounted. Uh, um, yeah. So that's good. That'd be some cavalry. Uh, and they're, the, the cool thing about the Windblown is they're actually in Volantis, if we remember, in A Dance with Dragons, preparing to go over to Marine. Yes. So they might be close enough for 
for Illyrio to to contract with and maybe get you know two thousand more soldiers. They definitely are because we know Quentin doesn't arrive uh, in Volantis until around the New Year, right. and in fact they would have stopped his journey probably, right when mm-hmm. when when Dorn got word that Danny was in Pentos, they'd probably been like, "Well, Quentin, don't go to Slaver's Bay." <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no, stay, stay, stay. <laughs> uh, oh, don't do that. But yeah, so they probably they probably were around, right? I I've got bad news for you though. Mm. Well, do I want to give you the bad news now? Do, how much more you got on the on the on the on the other free companies? Nothing. Uh, Second Sons only have five hundred. Long Lances five hundred. Uh, Stormbreakers are cool because they were founded by Oscar Tolley after the Dance of the Dragons. Oh, yeah. So there's yeah. some maybe some Westeros connection there. Storm What's Crows, it? Dario's guys, uh, they have 500. Um, Wasn't there one, there was one founded by uh, by all the troops from the, the Northerners. The Hour of the Wolf, yeah, the yeah. Northerners. There's actually two sellsword companies mentioned that were formed from Northmen. The first was the Company of the Rose that formed after, um, it was formed of Northmen who refused to accept the rule of Aegon the Conqueror when yeah. Torrin Stark bent the knee. Nice. And then the other one that you're referring to that they talk about in Fire and Blood is the Wolf Pack. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good name. Okay, uh, hit me with the, the ba- bad news. <laughs> well, the bad news is, as we covered in our Free Cities episode, Pentos isn't allowed to talk to free companies. Uh, yeah. They're not allowed to contract with any of these people. Yep. Um, so, you know, I kind of just skirted it and said, well, they'll just... Illyria he'll he'll reach thing. out and he'll send yeah. them to a different port city and meet them there or right you know something but but just and and maybe he could do that with the other ones too so it's not like it shoot shoots the idea in the foot of her getting more troops it's more just you know off the plan for it it's a wrinkle no and, good and point work around it mm-hmm. so i thought of another little possibility that i'm not sure it would work out i'm interested to hear your thoughts on it instead of landing in dorne there's another place on the east coast of Westeros that has been largely untouched by battle so far and it has yeah. something like 20,000 troops that are not committed to a cause yet the what fail? if what if Danny while they're waiting for the golden company to arrive they got a couple months sent emissaries to the Vale and tried to talk to Lysa Aaron uh, and the Lord's declarant about a potential alliance. Well, Peter's the one really running that show. Almost, right? Well, he's kind of still running it. I, I, well, yeah. I kind of assume he's been running it since right the day Lysa married John. But, uh, you know, maybe, maybe not. Running her, mm-hmm. not running the veil. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he That's would definitely figure figure it out. Yeah. One one big potential. I'm not sure he'd be against it though. Like, right. He's. I mean, Sowing he's all about discord and everything. Yeah. I mean, he might be like, oh, dragons. The jig is up. My <laughs> upward climb is over. <laughs> oh yeah. But yeah, he'd rather be on their side than not. I mean, mm-hmm. right. So it doesn't seem like something he wouldn't do. Now, now convincing Danny may be an issue. Because. Aaron, House Aaron, 
started Robert's Rebellion. Oh, yeah. Led to the downfall of, of everything. So I think there would be some natural resistance on her part. We've seen how she talks about Robert Baratheon. We've seen how she yeah. talks about Ned Stark. Um, they're just these supervillains in her mind. So allying herself with House Aaron would probably leave a very icky taste in her mouth. Um, but for the sake of, uh, you know, they've got a port city where they can land, go into Gold Town, and then yeah. being in the relative protection and seclusion of the Vale, uh, and then they've got all these troops that are unbloodied yet, and I mean... That would that seems like it would be enticing. It would it it would be imagine imagine the the beauty of her just riding riding Drogon over the, oh he he can't carry her never mind not quite that'd yeah. be cool if she could land in the courtyard just like yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep yep little Senya little, little reach around there. Yep. Yep. But Drogon's not nearly big enough. My bad. Not, not quite. But that's that's one potential possibility that I thought of that would have been it's fun to consider too. Yeah. It is. It is. Um I think the north for the same reasons that you speculated are is probably but, uh -huh. but more are, is out. Um especially cuz we've got Rob dead. Right. It's, it's also really far away. I don't think it's really where she wants yeah, to be. Yeah, that's true. Although we are eventually going to get to the discussion about the others. I don't know if we're there yet. Mm. Um, one more thing is just that the Vale also has a fleet at Goldtown. So we don't know how many ships there are, but there are ships there. So That's true. That could come in handy. That's true. And they're going to need a fleet because, uh, like we said, I don't think Bravos is going to give them one. Not if they're hiring a sellswood company. Yeah, very <laughs> true. Yep. Um. I'll just, uh, you, you brought up the North and just to, unless you have more to say about the North, it sounded like you didn't. Um, no, I don't. I, it's, it's one of the areas I just kind of stayed away from other than just kind of some general speculation about right. the war with the others. Yeah. Uh, I, I just was struck by a weird quote from the house of the undying. Remember when she sees that, that vision of the red wedding? Um, yes. Farther on, she came upon a feast of corpses, savagely slaughtered. The feasters lay strewn across overturned chairs and hacked trestle tables, a sprawl in pools of congealing blood. Yes. Blah, 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 blah. But then she goes, um, in a throne room above them sat a, dead, sat a dead man with the head of a wolf. He wore an iron crown and held a leg of lamb in one hand as a king might hold a scepter. In this part. And his eyes followed Danny with mute appeal. Hmm. It was weird. Obviously, that's symbolizing Rob. We think, right? You'd think so. The man with the head of a wolf. Yep. Uh, sitting on a throne at this place. What and is that? Eyes following Danny with mute appeal, like he's asking her for help. He's appealing for aid. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't yeah, quite that's get interesting. that. So, but in any case, Rob's dead. So, whatever. I wonder if that is a point. Well, I mean, Rob didn't even know about the Northmen, but. All, the, all those dreams are, are not the Northmen, but the, the others. All those dreams are very symbolic, and you know. Anyway, maybe it's an appeal to head north to help with the real war. Right. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. And 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 you know, there's strong implications that you know to be successful in that war against the others, 
you know, Winterfell needs to be in order. Yes. That there's there's a part that Winterfell as a place has to play in this war against the others. Right? Where there must Winterfell, be a start there. But, and there isn't. Right. So maybe he's looking to her with mute appeal to help wrench control of Winterfell back to the Starks or something like that. I don't know. But yeah. Anyways, we're getting a little no, like off, off base, but um I don't have I don't have much else for where Danny goes. I, I I guess we could spend just a second uh to dismiss the ideas of hmm. Dragonstone or King's Landing right off the bat. <laughs> um I mean I, I didn't really even spend much time thinking about them. I didn't either. I mean I suppose she could easily defeat Stannis. Uh and coming home maybe has some sort of um emotional appeal to her. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't seem it's it's not a place where she can gather allies. That's true. Then, you can't gather allies, and you lose a little bit of the surprise. I mean, word's going to get out quick that Danny's there, but yeah, you want to try to hide your intentions and your yeah. your confirmed troop size and things like that for probably as long as you can. Yeah, so I think Dorn or or the Vale or something like that would probably be best. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's it's hard to remember. I mean, I think I think we feel like the the troop situation as soon as the Blackwater happens and the Tyrells are engaged, the troop situation feels much better in King's Landing. I don't think I don't I don't think she'd have much of an advantage attacking. I don't either. They've yeah. still got that whole chain thing going on too. And mm-hmm. anyway, yep, yeah, yep. Not without dragons. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Westeros backdrop. I feel like we've covered some of this stuff. I've got some interesting things though. Okay. Um, I guess let's just cover off quickly on on one of the bullet points down below. Uh, the red and purple weddings. I think we're just assuming they both happened. Um, I, I suppose there are way arguments you could make that like word is you know that Danny's on the move and that upsets Tywin and he decides you know not to do the gambit on Rob at the red wedding. Or similarly with Tyrells, they get some fear or some other reason that they decide not to be yeah. a wedding. But I, I didn't really see any reason for them to stop either of those things. I see the red wedding still happening. The one that I'm iffy on is the purple wedding, and that's just because it's so close to the timeline that we came up with. Yeah. Of like if the Tyrells found out that the Targaryens could be invading would they shift plans or I would think they would still want to kill Joffrey if they're thinking like, well, we want to be on the Targaryen side. So, you know, we've got to put forth some effort to show them that we would be good allies. Completely out of context of this episode and its topic. Killing Joffrey is always a good idea. (laughs) Um, You know, I, I think in the event that they want to ally with the Lannisters still, Tommen is still a better option. Joffrey brings nothing to the table other than abuse to your, you know, to Marjorie. And if they want to ally with, uh, you know, with, with the Targaryens, what better way than to say, Hey, we've been working in the shadows already on this. We're with you. Yep. We're with you. We love you. That's on heavyweights. Oh, an old Disney movie friends. Go check it out on Disney plus. It's remarkable. Uh, Ironically, or maybe not, probably not a, 
the movie Fat Guys Watch a Lot. <laughs> it's kind of, you know what I mean? Well, that's that's a movie for skinny people to laugh at fat people about, I think. Oh, is that what it is? Well, I don't know. I didn't see it. I, you haven't I guess seen it? I, well, I mean, I saw the preview. I'm like, oh, I, look, a movie about me. I feel like it's, uh, well, I guess I, I wasn't really a fat kid. I, I feel like it's it's got a good underlying message to it. Well, that's good. Yeah. Is it like a be yourself kind of a thing? It's a be yourself. Be Everyone has value. Your skin. Yeah, yeah. Yep, you're valuable the way you are. Not measuring up to some impossible standard. And it's it's really freaking funny, dude. I, ben Stiller's finest role. I didn't even know he was in that. <laughs> He's totally in it. He's the villain in it. The fat joke thing is just one of those things that I feel like hasn't, I don't want to be a killjoy, but it just hasn't played well. Hasn't aged You know, well. like, yeah. I've, la- I've laughed at it before. Uh-huh. I-, I even did, for the example I'm going to give, I love Friends, right? For all of its negatives, and there are some, uh, you know, I love it. And But but the, the fat Monica bit is like, there's no bit. It's just laugh because she's fat. Right. That's that's saying. the bit. Yeah. There's nothing yeah. to it. There's nothing clever or like meaningful about it. It's yeah. fat. And and heavyweights isn't that type of one. It's that's good. It's not making fun of fat people to make fun of fat people. It's, that's good. Yeah. But anyway, and look, I laughed at those jokes too. I, but it just it hasn't. As I've gotten older, I think it's less funny. Certain humor yeah. doesn't sit as well with you. Yep. I'm also just a bigger a hole than I used to be. Uh, like <sighs> more yeah. tightly wound. That's me. Yeah, but yeah. Tightly wound in some things, and definitely loosey goosier in others. <laughs> like my weight, yeah. for example. <laughs> <laughs> Getting some struggles. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The belly just keeps growing, man. It's a Thacker thing that like my legs stay as skinny as as saplings. Uh-huh. No rear end to speak of, but the, the gut belly. just keeps just extending. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it's it's not good for your base. It's really not. My hand has to reach out further from my body now to uh, do everything. Uh, yep. 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 Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've got to move past things. Of skin to get to other pieces of skin. It's just wow. So, purple weddings. Do you want to talk about how that all impacts Oberyn? Because again, hmm. like you mentioned, the timeline is interesting. Mm-hmm. Super close. Yes, Oberyn actually arrives. Do I have this note? I have it somewhere. Yeah, On one thirteen, Oberyn says he will be Tyrion's champion. Uh, I have. Oh, I think I have it somewhere else. Uh, uh, twelve three is when Tyrion meets over. Meets, yes. Yeah. Thank you. I have it somewhere, but I misplaced it. So twelve three is when they meet. So it's possible that, like, on on ten fifteen, when she landed in Pentos, Dorne got word, and they just never sent over. Yeah, it's possible. I think it's interesting to to consider the possibility that while they are waiting for the Golden Company to arrive in Pentos or wherever they're going to meet them, that Danny and Illyrio and whoever are actively 
plotting and reaching out to potential allies and making pitches and, you know, yeah, going on those business trips. So I think it would be interesting to see if Danny and Illyrio maybe, or maybe it's Barristan or whoever takes some sort of clandestine trip down to Dorne to put out some yeah. feelers, right? Right. Right. Or, or they could have sent Oberyn, Oberyn to Pentos too. Uh, to send to send out yeah. feelers themselves, right? Um, God, that's a that's a match we didn't think about. Oof, Daenerys and Oberyn. Holy, God, I mean, dude, she'd they go would for kill that. Each other, yeah, she totally would. That's right in her wheelhouse. That's that's that is the wheelhouse. That's the wheel. It's <laughs> the wheel itself. What the hell is a wheelhouse? This is a right metaphor. Wheelhouse. It's lost on me. I is a wheelhouse like the casing around a wheel, or like a water wheel, like a power, like a like a yield power generator? I'm sure. I'm sure someone in our Calisar knows exactly. What <laughs> They're laughing at us. That means yeah. dumbass doesn't know what a water wheel is. Right, right, right. It's a wheelhouse, you idiot. It's fine. I'm I'm fine being the idiot in this conversation. <laughs> we've totally become that in our older age, haven't we? That's one thing where <laughs> yeah. we've gotten lax. We used to be like all worried about getting everything right and stuff like that on the podcast on the air. Now we're just like, eh. I mean, how worried was I? I had a, a beeping uh, fire alarm in my first episode. This how is concerned true. was I? This is true. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Oberyn is, that's not something I had in my notes, but Oberyn is definitely in her wheelhouse. He is. Uh, he's old for her. Right. But it's been done in Westeros before. Because we decided back in the Oberyn episode that he was like in his early 40s or something yeah, like that? Yeah, I think, I think so. I mean, we right. can find out. Pretty quick. But... With a little search of the wick. Yeah. So, yeah, he's in his 40s. Yeah. So, um... You know, that, that that might be interesting. I, I tend to think they wouldn't go that way, but, um, you know, maybe. Maybe that wasn't their plan, and she's given him the eyes when he shows up. Mm-hmm. No, I've got this nephew. <laughs> and he's, he's great. He's great. <laughs> and yeah. Oberyn would just smile at her still. <laughs> yeah. She would just melt. Yeah. I don't know if she'd melt. Daenerys Targaryen. Oh no! Daenerys Targaryen. I, I meant he's telling her that he's got a nephew. Oh, Quentin. 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 They both have nephews, Dad. <laughs> we both got nephews. I set them up. <laughs> Oberyn's like, I kind of like the look of your nephew. <laughs> All right, I'd give it a shot. <laughs> oh, ten out of ten. Willis would be so jealous. Yep. Um. That's so okay. he's saving himself. <laughs> anyway, I, I think you're right. They're probably not just sitting on their hands waiting for the Golden Company to arrive. They're probably trying to do stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you want? So some of these notes I have imply that that Oberyn still went. They yeah. were offered a seat on the council. They have Marcella as a quote unquote hostage. Um, they're kind of expected to show up, and Oberyn is still looking for revenge. They might decide they could get it better by just you know, making an alliance with the Targaryens, but he might go anyway. I like that. Yep. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I tend to think he wouldn't, but some of my notes here, you know, have him there anyway. But after the Purple Wedding, I don't know. Like, would they feel like they're 
maybe with D- Danny's presence just changes everything. Are they now are is Oberon now looked at as, you know, like a potential conspirator? I think so. Right? Mm-hmm. Because you know, they're plotting against the Lannisters who murdered the babes and all that stuff and the Targaryens are back and it just kind of gives a it gives a slanted view of the whole scene. Yep. And you might think Oberyn and his retinue just hightail it like Renly did. It would probably behoove them. Yeah. yeah. So they don't get put in an internment camp or something like that. Right. But, yeah. The watch the watchful eye. Mm-hmm. But yeah. man, post purple wedding is a great time to invade. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a wreck. I mean, if if you, especially if you assume Tywin dies in, in the aftermath, which I'm not sure that we do. Yeah, I was wondering if Tywin would still die there. I mean, if you assume Tyrion still gets accused, uh-huh. you know, Varys has less motive to get him out of jail. And, and you know, in, in the original timeline, Jamie goes to Varys to go talk to him, and then they bust him out. I don't even know whether it's Varys's or Jamie's idea, but regardless, it's probably Varys's. Um, he probably even if, yeah, even if Jamie thinks it's his, it's probably Varys's idea. He's like, "You and I are on the same page, Jamie Lannister." <laughs> yeah, uh, but his motivation was to get him over to Pentos to you know to to be with to be with Aegon, and that isn't needed anymore. But I think he still wants to get him out. I don't know whether he still has Jamie doing it or. If he still murders Tywin, all that stuff feels a little more iffy now. Right. Well, uh, murdering Tywin does destabilize the realm. It does, and, yeah. And helps pave the way. So I think that he still wants that to happen. Yeah. Uh, whether it's Tyrion or not, I think. I'm putting you on the spot. Why did Jamie go down there? Was it just to say, hey, little bro, before he was killed? I know we wanted to tell him the Taisha thing. Right. Was that the main motivation? I think it was. I think so that if you look probably at, doesn't change. If you look at where Jamie's headspace was at that point, yeah. He was in kind of that reforming myself type mindset. And yeah. I think the main thing was to try to make right with Tyrion. Yeah. Maybe so I'm maybe that all still happens. Much, maybe I'm giving Jamie too much credit there, but I, think I don't think so. I don't think a whole lot changed just cuz just cuz some chick with 3 underage dragons is in Dorne. I'm going to change that. I want to go see my brother. I think it makes sense. I, you're right though. What you said five minutes ago after or before all my blubbering, uh, it's a great time to, 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 you know, for, for this to happen. The purple wedding destabilizes things. Tywin getting killed destabilizes things more. And frankly, they're a shoe in, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, oh, I do have, that spoke to mind that I copy and pasted a quote here. Ah, it's Tyrion talking to Aegon again when he's trying to convince him to to go to Westeros, right? Uh-huh. Uh, and he says, The Seven Kingdoms will never be more ripe for conquest than they are right now. A boy king sits the Iron Throne. The North is in chaos. The river lands a devastation. A rebel holds Storm's End and Dragonstone. When winter comes, the realm will starve. And... <laughs> Who remains to deal with all of this? Who rules the little king who rules the seven kingdoms? Why, my own sweet sister. There's no one else. But. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, here, here, Tyrion. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's ripe. Mm-hmm. It's so ripe. I mean, I feel like we've said that about King's Landing a lot of times, but when you add the Golden Company and an alliance with Dorne, maybe an alliance with the Tyrells, it's ripe. Right. Can we talk about Stannis for a minute? Let's talk about Stannis, because this is, is interesting. Is he a wild card that, that we have to contend with? He totally is, because who uh, who is um, um, uh, who has their hand on his joystick? <laughs> yeah, Davos. I mean, Mel. Melisandre. And what what is she gonna do when suddenly this fiery dragon lady comes to Westeros? Um, when Tyrion's in Volantis and he sees Benero preaching at the Temple of the Lord of the Light, Benero is saying that Daenerys Targaryen is Azor High Reborn, yep. which is what Melisandre is saying about Stannis. Right. Yeah, we've talked about this a little bit before when we've when we've kind of mused about Mel, mm-hmm. Melisandre's musings. Um, that'd be that'd be a good like, like. Uh, Emo, Mel's emo music. adjacent, uh, singular, I don't know, girl band. Um, <laughs> we, we've we've mused about this before with her, as because she does not seem like she's part of the main branch. She's off right. doing her own thing. Yeah, and shadow binding, for example. Yeah. She admits that. Yeah, shadow binding. She's seen dragons already. I don't know how in in a shy. I think. Um, I'm not sure how pulled she'll be. Hmm. Um, you know, I don't know. We see her pulled by snow a little bit, so maybe she would be. But she's she's for all the crap I give her. She's the true faith, man. She believes in what she sees. She believes it to the nines, and she doesn't back down. And she even even though she admits that her uh, her perception of the vision she gets is sometimes flawed right she's all in yep so i don't know whether it would change or not Mm. i could see her trying to get the two of them together oh yeah i could see that stannis if you align yourself that's the true azora high reborn yeah danny of course would struggle with this because like i was saying with john aaron and the veil and everything stannis baratheon first of all he's no oberon martell um no he's also the brother of the usurper that's true it's not a good fit for sure danny wouldn't go for it uh but you're right mel might mel might push for it but i think she'd probably see the wisdom in not even trying Mm. (laughs) but but stannis really doesn't have anything to offer her besides dragonstone maybe he doesn't have a ton of troops right now He's wasted at the Blackwater. I mean, maybe he's Plan D if she can't get Dorn, the Reach, the Vale, any of those guys. Maybe she settles on him. But you're right. If anything, all he is is an outlet for her rage and revenge. <laughs> yes. Right. Yes. Like, I, like she might go to Dragonstone to burn him down just to do it. Uh-huh. Um, but again, she doesn't have dragons to do that. She'd have to take her army to do it, which is. It's just a military risk that if she's got Tyrion in her ear, he'll convince her not to. Yeah, because you're going to lose a ton of people storming Dragonstone. That's been yeah. made clear. Right. Stannis is no dummy. Like, he will make her pay for that. Right. Yeah, for, for sure. That. 
and it's like is it worth is dragonstone worth the cost sure it might be symbolically but, uh, yeah, yeah there's worth there but yeah, it's a birthplace right but right. um yeah, it's it's kind of he's kind of an interesting wild card. What what he would do? Right. Part of me thinks he still just goes north. He's mm-hmm. like, the, I'm the listen. I'm the king. I'm gonna go do my kingly duty, and and defend the realm from the real threat. One of the things that's interesting that just came. I don't have it in my notes or anything, but um, you know, talking about dragons, Mel is always talking about Azor Ahai and the one to defeat the Great Other and all these things. She never talks about dragons. I mean, she mentions the stone dragon, like waking the stone dragons, right? But when the words come up that Danny exists and that there are real dragons back in the world, she doesn't seem to latch onto that that hmm. much. The idea that, oh yeah, those are the chosen weapon for the for the great other. She thinks it's you know Lightbringer and Azor Eye. It's yeah. kind of interesting, right? Yeah, it is. Hmm. Because we in the fandom, there's all 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 the time talk about dragons versus others dragons versus others and right um, you know certain adaptations i think played into that but uh and i i don't think the fandom's stupid for saying it it's just she hasn't latched onto that at all someone who's kind of knows the lore of dragons and kind of what they're about right depending on what you believe about her history hmm. do, do you think that would do you think having the real dragon show up would tempt Stannis to attempt the waking of stone dragons? Ooh. Not that I know what that even looks like. Yeah. I still think he's too practical. I think he would yeah. just start thinking of ways that he could use the dragons that he already sees in front of his face. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he is he is singularly without any level of creativity. <laughs> right. Right. It's stone. What do you mean? Yeah. Yep. I think, I think I agree with you. We got three dragons right here. Why do I need to try to make ones out of stone? Yeah. 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 Hmm. Uh, do you want to talk? I think the main thing I have left in my notes is war with the others. Yeah. Or or Euron. Let's let's finish with War with the Others. That feels okay. like a good, fun place to finish. Okay. Remember in our last episode how we like pittered out at the end with like the least interesting thing? Although we did end up coming up with some pretty fun stuff for that. But does it surprise you if I say no? I don't remember. Oh well, fine. <laughs> what was the last one about, Ned? Uh, uh, I had too... the hardest time remembering what our first episode was about the other day. Our first what if. Our first what if. Yeah. I was like, wait, we did Oberyn, we did Ned. It was Rhaegar, right? What in the world was the first one? <laughs> yeah, it was Rhaegar. Yeah. We're old men, dude. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about Euron for a bit. Yeah. Sure. Fun. Yeah, he's... he's um, I hate Euron. But he's certainly got a role to play. Mm-hmm. Um... Is he an ally for Danny? I mean, he he's, I think, and I don't remember if it was you or me that wrote this, but he seems to have just genuinely nefarious motives. Right. Chaos and pulling everything down. And, um, Twas I. I was really proud of using nefarious, even if it's only in notes that you and I would see. <laughs> well, now we're calling it out. It's a good job. Uh, 
yeah, I, what do you think? What? So he's super interested in, in Daenerys. He hears the rumors about her and everything. Now, what I couldn't pin down is if he heard the rumors post her time in Slaver's Bay, right? So if she wouldn't have gone to Slaver's Bay, would he have heard about her and the dragons? Yeah. I'm not sure. It's a good question. He does have Pyat Pri. And um, we know that from the Forsaken chapter. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, I, th- I think he's there for the King's Meet, too. Um, anyway, he has Pyat Pri. Uh, and interesting, interestingly, talking about the timeline, when was he down there? Because he must have been down near Karth right around when she was there right in order like weeks back in order we've made it back in time like weeks later like two to three weeks later and why Pyatt pre was out on a barge or something i don't i don't really know how'd he get to Um, right i don't i don't remember reading that anywhere it's not in there yeah yet we'll probably figure it out in wins but yeah so um yeah it's kind of weird that uh you know if he got the tail from Pyatt pre and that is an assumption. But if he did, then why not just right. go immediately to her? Mm-hmm. He's got the horn at that point, I think. Right, dragon binder. Yep. Um, you know, he, why not just go immediately? And well, like he goes all the way back to the Iron Islands. What to like impress her with his fleet? That's He's not a that's... his ships, maybe, or maybe he wants to um, have control of the Iron Islands first to be like, I'm the king of the Iron Islands weird flex but okay it's like (laughs) right like yeah is the iron islands really going to impress danny i have uh i have a you know wayne gretzky rookie card that's bent at the corners so marry me (laughs) you know (laughs) exactly (laughs) exactly i i think like if if he thinks he can impress her with his verve and his weird i'm gonna be a god shtick and she might go for it because you know she likes she likes the bad guys kind of right uh you know i i don't know why he would wait all that time she likes non-jura mormons yeah (laughs) you mean everybody you mean she just doesn't like jorah but she's in every i mean she doesn't like his dar to her credit and she doesn't like quentin nope not in that way. She thinks Quentin's just like a sweetheart. A fine a fine person. Yep. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Doesn't get her blood boiling. But you're on might. He I don't know. very well could. Yeah. So I would love to see the I mean, I like Danny. I would love to see that she sees him for the tyrant a hole that he is. Brilliant. Not just like the the steamy bad boy, but like, oh, this dude's straight evil. Right. I'm not interested in that. Mm. Yes, this is kind. This this was kind of like an unformed thought in my head that I'd forgotten about. So you just made me remember. Like, I can see them forming up in an alliance, both uh, of them planning to betray each other eventually. Uh-huh. And Euron, he doesn't care about her. He wants the dragons, and yes, he's thinking one day, you know, I'm gonna whip out Dragonbinder, the Horn yeah. Dragonbinder, yeah. not that Dragonbinder scad. Blow them both blow it <laughs> and he's gonna take control of the dragons and whatever happens to danny at that point who cares um and yeah. then danny for her part is just like 
this guy's got a thousand ships running the so iron he doesn't islands. at that point but yeah but he has something though. access he's got maybe yeah yeah right. yeah um the iron fleet's 100 ships but those are with victarion right now right um so she's like thinking if i just get his ships then whatever he's a this guy's this guy is weird and uh, I'm going to get his ships and then I'm going to burn him to a crisp because I can't abide this one for too long. Yeah. Um, so I can see them kind of like doing this uneasy alliance thing where both of them are sneaking then, behind each other's backs. But then in a bad romantic comedy, they fall, they actually, they fall, actually fall in love. Oh. It's Hallmark, man. Yeah. It's the next Hallmark movie. I was looking up uh I was looking up ten things I hate about you for some reason the other day. Oh, great and uh uh oh, what's her name? The main girl. Um, uh I always mix Lee, her up with Claire Danes. Lee uh uh Rachel Lee Cook. Uh-huh. She she's doing those uh those homework movies. She does, man. That uh that our boy loves so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Uh, anyway, sorry. Homework wow. movies are great. I have never seen a single one. Oh, come on. I, I nope. You're better off. <laughs> well, Julia Stiles is ten things I hate about you, isn't she? Oh, you're right. Uh, you're right. I was thinking of the. Uh, I looked up both of them actually. Oh. Ten things I hate about you and uh, and uh, oh, what's the one with Freddie Prince Jr. What are you doing? <laughs> I don't remember. Some something was on. Like me, I could see Aowen, doing that. Aowen brought up Aowen brought up an eighties movie with Tony Danza where his daughter just like turns sixteen, he's like boy crazy and and becomes popular from nowhere. And I'm like, Oh, you mean like the Fred Prince Jr. She's all that. That's She's all that. There yep. you go. She's all that. Yeah. I looked it up. I didn't just pull that out of my vast library knowledge of coming I would have of believed, age I would have believed you had. Because I know that's <laughs> I know that's your thing. Thank you. Uh but she, but she's all that is one of the really bad ones. It's 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 pretty terrible. It's nothing compared to ten things I hate about you. I I think is that the one where they go to the prom and it's like it's clear that like every single person is a professional dancer? Yes. Absolutely. It's, it's like insane, like they're insanely talented dancers. Yeah. And you're like, hmm. Yeah. You've got to have something like that in every coming of age chick flick. But, yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Freddie <sighs> Prince Jr., though, with his poetry with the hacky, hacky sack was impressive. You know, Freddie Prince Jr.'s underrated, man. Yeah. Jeez. I'll cheer for that guy all day. Yeah. Kanan, man. Rebels. Kanan all day. Yep. You know, he's the voice of Kanan, right? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Okay. Uh, Euron. Uh, can we can we just for a second? What what do you think Euron's goal is? I know that's not what this episode is, but like just to try to pair it with like why he might still in our timeline seek her out and be and be something that she might be attracted to instead of an alliance with others. Because I don't think he would go in for the whole alliance with everyone. Uh huh. Is it possible, it seems like we see this maybe with dictators in our history and stuff, that 
there Careful. are people out there that want to just be the king of everything, even if it's the king of the ashes that they burned everything to the ground. Does that make sense? That just are so <sighs> hungry much. for power that they are willing to do whatever it takes to get it. And then even if they're the lone person left sitting on a throne of ashes, they're like, I did it. But not My only that, ashes. they're trying to, they're trying to find more ways to take power even after that. But, yeah. and I kind of feel like Euron is neurotic and crazed enough to be that type of guy that it's like dragons. Oh, I can have more power with dragons, so I want dragons. And maybe I'm oversimplifying him too much. But I don't think you are. I have a I have a section here from the Forsaken. Hmm. The bleeding star bespoke the end, he said to Aram. These are the last days when the world shall be broken and remade. A new god shall be born from the graves and the charnel pits. Then Euron lifted a great horn to his lips and blew. And dragons and krakens and sphinxes came at his command and bowed before him. Mm. Kneel, brother, the Kozai commanded. I am your king. I am your god. Worship me, and I will raise you up to be my priest. So he doesn't even want to just be a king. Well, no, that's a dream. should be Mm -hmm. clear. That's a dream Mm -hmm. that that Aaron has after he gives him the um, Piat Priest magical berry juice, the blue stuff. Um probably not even berries in it the blue the blue wine the blue stuff yeah which for some reason i've forgotten the name of um dream wine dream wine there you go um oh dream wine right because it's a dream Mm -hmm. so um but but i think it probably you know george just doesn't put this shit in there for fun it probably is what euron thinks um at the very least it's what euron has put into aaron to think would be feasible that he would believe Mm -hmm. right and so yeah, I think he wants to rule over everything that he can in a, you know, somewhat demonic, you know, completely power crazed. Yeah, way. and it's an absolute power. It's like it's manifested in what he does with his crew, right? How he cuts out their tongues so they can't talk. Yes. Like yeah. he wants absolute unquestioned power. Also, you mentioned the ashes that what made me think of the quote that I had written down here was hmm. a new God should be born from the graves and charnel pits. Right. Uh, it's very uh, much like from the crap, from the death and destruction, you know, will I be raised up? Right. So, so, okay. So he's still interested, but I th- think he's got some different things to overcome. <laughs> he's got a big perspective, man. <laughs> Yeah. All these other guys are just like, listen, I just want the Iron Throne. I yeah. I just yeah. want to be king. Euron's like, burn it all the f to the ground. Yeah. Start over again. Oh, and I'm not king. I'm God. Yeah. Yeah. He's he certainly doesn't have uh, a, a limited, uh, you know, a limited view of himself or what he can accomplish. Mm-hmm. All right. Well. uh I don't know. Do you have anything else on on your own? No, not really. I was just interested in in mostly Dragonbinder and if he would try to use that and if it would work. But I think he might, but I don't think I don't think he has a path to do it as a friend. I think the way she's accelerated the timeline, mm-hmm. he doesn't have time to like 
you know, weasel his way into her bed or anything. He just has to like show up outside the dragon's and, window one night and and, and do it. Just, yeah. Take off your clothes. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, yeah, I don't think you can do it in a friendly way. Yeah. All right. Uh, war with the others. What do you got, my friend? Well, I don't have a lot. Um, I think. I don't think she's thinking about it. You know, the, 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 the part you read there about the red wedding and him watching her with mute appeal, uh, is maybe the first kind of evidence that they, she's got anything going on about that in her head. Mm-hmm. And, you know, th- she's not alone. It's not like she's being naive or complacent. Nobody, nobody in Westeros is thinking about this other than Stannis and, you know, those at the wall. Um, you know, she's been in Essos this whole time, so I'm not blaming her for it. It's just, I don't, I don't think her head is squarely focused on that sharp throne. Right. Um, so I, I don't I don't even think it's in her head. Mm-hmm. She might learn quickly afterward that, that there's something going on up there. You know, if Tyrion's in her ear, maybe he would bring it up at some point. But Yeah. The thing that I think could get her to entice her, Maester Amon, mm. finding out that there's another living Targaryen. Oh uh, yeah, that's true. Besides the one she's supposed to marry. Besides Aegon, yeah. <laughs> like this guy's. Who, we haven't OG. even touched on this, but who may be fake, by the way. <laughs> we didn't even touch yeah. on that part. We've been assuming he's real this whole time. Some people are like, <laughs> "Damn you! <laughs> he's not even real. He's, he's the Bisswater Branch." Um. Yeah. I think I think just the idea of <laughs> man I I work in the corporate world I when the first word I thought of was networking when she <laughs> just the idea of networking with an OG Targaryen yeah like Aemon and learning something from him we see how like hungry she is talking to Jorah and later Barristan to just learn anything she can about her family. She wants to learn yes. about Rhaegar. She wants to learn about her dad. Like she, She's hungry for that knowledge of her lineage and her ancestry. And yeah. I think that finding out, oh, oh, my great, 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 whatever uncle is up at the wall. Let's go talk to him. Yeah. And that could, or, or if Amon figures out that she's down there and sends word somehow. Yes, but, back to the timeline real quick. He gets sent away from Castle Black on February 20th. Right, so it's so, tight. Well, it's not that tight. It's, I mean... They, well, it br- the actually wall brings him had, closer to her, right? It does, but I, I mean, I would think it would be more like... I, well, I think she'd send him... If she found out, it, most likely he would find out that she's there before she found out that he was there. Mm-hmm. because the news of dragons landing in Dorne would be big news and somehow word would reach the wall. It might take a month or two, but right. you know, we're still sure. talking about mid December, you know, to, you know, to, to the middle of February. I think there's definitely time for that word to reach. Mm-hmm. And then it'd just be on Amon to send a letter to her and be like, Hey kid, can I help? Yeah. Or, you know, like 
I don't know what he would do, right? Uh, you know, his his duty is the wall, but well, going back uh, to our Team John stuff, yeah, is this where he goes? Oh my gosh, like yeah, yeah, this could be I the have... answer we're looking for. Don't marry Aegon. Don't marry Aegon. I got this great guy up here. I really need <laughs> you to meet him. <laughs> but but I mean that's an impetus for getting her up to the wall to even meet Jon Snow to even confront the others to yeah play all that stuff out is I think Aemon yeah he he would be the one uh you need to get your ass up here uh hold on uncle I'm taking the Iron Throne uh no get up you, here. you don't understand <laughs> <laughs> I got a hot boy, but mostly I got a bunch of cold boys that need your attention. <laughs> That's the PS part. Like, <laughs> yeah. There's not going to be an Iron Throne if you don't get up here right now. Right. PS, hot guy. But... Yeah. Ugh. And yeah. then and then who knows what would happen with Danny and John. I don't know. I didn't think too far down that I didn't that either. Path. Uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't think that far down it either. Um, do you think? I, I don't. We've talked before, and it's certainly been speculated in the fandom that you know the, this the, the dragons coming back are tied to the others coming back, and it's a yin yang kind of a kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, is it? Is it your sense that they will sense that they're back? Would they change their gambit? Would they? I mean, let's be fair. We don't really know what their gambit is yet. Right. Um, but it seems like they're making one. Uh, they could recede and be like, nah. Or they it could make them want to go faster because the dragons are dog-sized. They might not know any of that. Yeah, they might not care. Yeah. And... Yeah, I always think of them as, as intelligent creatures, but yeah. yeah. But, but but this would be more of more of a mystical kind of connection, like, oh, we sense they're that they're, they're back or something. Right. Like Ron, it, like Ron Swanson when Tammy twos her. Oh yes, yes, yes. <laughs> she's here. Yeah. <laughs> it it is kind of, just going back to the Melisandre dragon thing real quick. It is weird, right? That supposedly for eight thousand or whatever years it was since the pact and since you know since the wall and everything, um, that in those eight thousand years, there weren't really dragons on Westeros. Mm-hmm. And yet, we're now as a fandom supposed to believe that the dragons are like the great enemy of the others, right? When like they weren't even around when the wall went up in Westeros. Yeah, that's a good point. For the last three hundred years, so, yeah, the others weren't around, and you know, the, and dragons were well for half of that time they were a little over half, but. Um, so is it something that the dragons embody, right? A, a magic, a magic, or something. a manifestation, right, of this power. The right, bodily if, if, manifestation is dragons. If you want to go the religious path, right, it would be like the great other, like Mel was talking about, and you know, you know the Rolor, whatever you want to call him. Rolor representing the other side and him having a champion of sorts and maybe that champion can use the dragons or you know as a weapon or or something but you're right that it's that it's a magical embodiment of that god and can be sensed or something right it's possible hmm 
And then you wonder, like, and then on the other side, would the dragons have this natural uh, awareness of the others? I'm thinking of Alisan's dragon, right? Yeah. And yeah, totally. The story of fire and blood. Yeah. For those that don't know, uh, Alisan tried to take uh, Silverwing. Yep. Silver. Oof. I had a nice. one in fifty, one in fifty shot. Tried to trick Silverwing uh, past the wall, and, and Silverwing wouldn't go. Um, turned her three times. I think she said she tried to take Silverwing past the wall, and each time Silverwing would circle back around and stop. Like I don't belong here. That could just be a matter of the wall, or it could be, you know, knowledge of the others, or something. Right. So would there be like a fear or a trepidation? Um. Yeah. But but you bring up a good point too. Maybe it's not even the others. Maybe it's something to do with the wall itself and the children of the forest. Uh, I don't know. We're getting we're getting crazy here. Yeah, getting crazy. Verily. Uh, but it's crazy or nothing because I think that's about all I got. Yep, me too. <laughs> yeah. So. I guess we didn't explore any of those alternate timelines, uh, like oh, waiting yeah. for the dragons to grow. Right. Yeah, we we did come up with some fun things that we thought we'd just bring up at the end. And one of my thoughts was to uh, that Danny would recognize that. Listen, I can't go over right now with just ten thousand golden company. What's really going to make the difference is grown dragons flying over Westeros and burning the place up and everything, striking fear into the hearts of my enemies and everything. So she recognizes, even though she really wants to get to Westeros, she recognizes the need uh, that the dragons or the benefit that the dragons would be if they were more fully grown. And so she decides to wait and she waits maybe a year uh, to see how much they grow. I was judging off of the timeline that you brought up, Scad, of you know how big uh, Drogon got by the time they're at Daznak's pit and everything. So, um, but that's a possibility. Uh, and and frankly, as I told this to Scad, he mentioned that there was a little bit of contention, and it was I'm not sleeping well these days. I'm very irritable, <laughs> so I'm sorry, Scad, but. Uh, well, wasn't just you. One thing that I was bringing up was that, like, I know it maybe makes more sense for her to attack now with where her head's at and her personality of wanting to get this done now. But, man, it would be a lot sexier with grown dragons flying over Westeros. So, it really would. Right. So that's one potential timeline we explored is waiting. And it, it would have it also meant we have to kind of tackle the, the dragon rider theories and stuff too mm-hmm. which which would have been fun you know who who is it and and where do they come from and how do they emerge yeah my uh, short answer would be that she would try to pair one with Aegon. yeah that he would meet up in pentos or wherever they're holed up and that Tyrion. and if remember if we wait basically everything in westeros will still play out as it does in the main series up through a dance with dragons so Tyrion would still get whisked away over to to Pentos, Danny would already be there when he arrives, um, and yeah, and then uh, maybe he's that third dragon rider. So. Yeah, in this alternate timeline, there's no reason for her necessarily to go to Dorne early. They can mm-hmm. still be doing these clandestine meetings uh, and trying to keep it as much a secret. 
but still working out an alliance with Dorne for after. Oh, this is this is like Doran Martell's dream timeline, right? Yeah, Take yeah, as yeah. As long yeah. as you need. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. You mean instead of going to war now, I get to wait eight months? To a year? Where do I sign? Yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> Can we make it eight years? Because the dragons would be huge then. This is wonderful. You'll be dead. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I so... Yeah, in that in that timeline, Tyrion probably does come over. Maybe he's an option. Maybe, maybe, you know, the word does get out, and, um, you know, Team John kicks in, and Amon yeah. still still puts John out there mm-hmm. as a dragon rider um, mm-hmm. in that timeline. Lots of lots of kind of fun stuff, and I I did you know. Wow, maybe it was late at night. I don't even remember anymore. The the nights and the and the early mornings for me, Matt, these days with the way my job's going, mm. they blend a bit. Yeah. Um. But but uh, in the world of COVID too. But um, you know, I, I I think I responded like, yeah, I'm I'm down for that. We can do that. And uh, my tone was sincere, even though in text it's sometimes hard to tell. Um. But I, I would have been down to talk talk about any of those. There was another time. There was another slightly different one, which would have been probably more similar to where we landed here in this episode. The difference was that just instead of going to Pentos, she still gives Illyrio not the bird necessarily, but like the hey, I'm doing my own thing here. I'm a grown ass woman now, and I'm getting my own army. And she would just stop instead at Volantis and get sellsword companies including the gold company there uh and then go straight probably from there over to dorn which actually might go quicker than going to pentos well it would go quicker than going to pentos Mm -hmm. she would have gotten there maybe more around you know you know the middle of october right instead of the middle of december potentially Mm -hmm. so uh that that could have jostled the red wedding it could have done a few other things as well right but uh, yeah, so there's just yeah, some, it's some fun ideas too. we had. Mm-hmm. Lots of different ways, and I'm sure that you blood riders are thinking up a million more. Yeah, that's what we like about you. So. Yeah, do we have our next one yet? I think we're bouncing on a few. I'd still like to do a fire and blood one, but right, uh, or a dunk one would be fun. But mm-hmm. you know, we're open. We've had a lot of ideas come through already. Yeah, the, the Aria one, the Aria one is is uh, appetizing. I think maybe Misa brought that one up. I, th- I think somebody else brought it up earlier too. Oh, just recently of what if uh, Aria had picked other people? Yeah, what if she wasn't a ten year old and just killed the people in front of her instead of you know like going after Tywin killing or something? Tywin and mm-hmm. yeah, or Roose or someone. Yeah, right, right. But uh, anyway, we got some good stuff. Yep. We got some ideas. Yeah. Well, but this one's been fun. It has been a lot of fun. Have we arrived at it. the end? Yeah, we've arrived at the end, I think. Okay. Allow us to sign off. Thanks for joining us, Kalisar. We hope you yeah. enjoyed this one as much as we did. And, and be sure to give us your feedback on these What Episodes. Uh, they've been a lot of fun for us, and we've received some good feedback on them. But we also recognize that they're very different from from anything else, which is part of the reason we wanted to do them, is because they're different. But Yes. Uh, 
also looking forward though to moving to our different format and, and trying something else too so. yeah yeah we did things the same for so long that now we're just like ah! loving it switch <laughs> switch switch it's like being in a long relationship and then you get out and you're like all right i'm dating now we are playing the field i never i never once did that nor i yeah but i bet it would have been awesome i bet it's amazing yeah it's probably great uh all right let's sign love out. you Awen. yep uh yeah go ahead Okay, so uh, my sign-off's from A Storm of Swords. I'm not doing like a music quote or anything. I'm doing from actual text in the book. Um, so referring to, to Aegon, um, I can't remember if this is Barristan Selmy or Jorah Mormont. I wish I would have written it down. But he says, if you mean to sit his, meaning Aegon's, iron throne, you must win it as he did with steel and dragon fire. And that will mean blood on your hands before the thing is done. Blood and fire, thought Danny. Indeed. Indeed. And, and my, my closing uh, is, is advice to Danny. Because we've talked a lot in this episode about what the timeline would be like and what relationships would be available and what partnerships and where the pieces are all there on the chessboard. We've talked a lot about that, but what we didn't really talk a lot about was Danny herself and what place she'll be in. And the reality is, and I don't know whether this is the main reason George did it or not, but the reality is, Danny, you need that time to grow. You needed that time to see what it was like to rule a Marine, to learn more about who you are. And regardless of the timeline for all these other things, the person doing the conquering needs to be in the right place to do it, too. And uh, I don't think rushing it would have behooved you in the end. Well said. We totally skipped that part. We actually put it in our notes to talk about what she would have missed by not going to Slaver's Bay. And yeah. my note on that was similar to what we said about Rob and Sansa and Arya and everything in our netisode, which was that they would miss out on those tragic but growth. Necessary growth moments. things. Yeah, yeah right. exactly. You put it much more succinctly than I did. Good job. Uh, not necessarily, but fun All anyways. Right. Okay. Thanks, Galasar. Thanks, Matt. Good night, everybody. See you, Scatty. Bye.